and even with my current relationship, you know, it's it's not about and this is I'm actually really loving being with a woman because there's no intercourse per se. There's no yeah. like I I feel like my womb and my my yoni's like really loving just being not needing to give anything back or have sex if it was, you know, to please my partner. It's like almost you can have simultaneous sex with a woman, but it's often me giving to her and her having a beautiful orgasm or her giving to me. And sometimes it's and often it's not like one after the other. Often we're just giving and then switch the next day. It's and I love that. What is up, beautiful people? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show that is making mental health mainstream. The way we do that is we interview people about the deepest, darkest, most traumatic and challenging moments and periods of their life. We go over what they went through, how they overcome it, any tips, tools and tactics that they use to do so, any lessons that they've taken away from that period in their life, and then where they're at now, how they've turned that pain into purpose. All I can say is that I'm just truly, truly grateful. And I absolutely believe that together, me and you, and the sharing of these stories, we will make mental health mainstream. Let's go. Welcome back to the Open Up Podcast and to episode 98 with sex and relationship coach, uh, naked yoga instructor, and the founder or creator of uh, Yoni Pleasure Palace, Rosie Reese, thank you for taking time to do this. Thank you so much. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, for someone who doesn't know what yoni is or means. It essentially means vagina, um, but it means sacred temple or sacred space in Indian Sanskrit, which is so much more beautiful than what vagina actually means, which is sheath for a sword. Well. Yeah. Jeez, I didn't know that. I know. And it's vagina just refers to the vaginal canal, whereas yoni refers to the whole, you know, the vulva, the vagina and the uterus. So it's like the whole, the whole beautiful thing. Okay. You might as well give us a breakdown of what it is that you do. Yeah. So Yoni Pleasure Palace is an online shop which sells crystal yoni eggs, crystal pleasure wands, aka dildos. Um... Yoni steams, menstrual cups, anything to do with women's reproductive health. Um, I also teach naked yoga, women's naked yoga, um, which is a three and a half hour immersion into basically learning to love your body just the way it is. It's candlelit. It's, you know, really sacred, really private. And um, women come and just have the most incredible experiences, learning to just fully accept your imperfections. And you have to pluck up so much courage. To even come to one of those. It makes me feel so anxious just <laughs> thinking about it. I have, but I must say, I do have a way of, I don't know if I toot my own horn here, but to create a really warm, loving, welcoming space because I don't think anyone can do it. Like so women say, oh my God, I was so nervous all day. And then I got here and the music and the candles and just, I set a really beautiful, warm, welcoming space that... All the nerves and tend I, to go. I don't think that's tooting your horn. Like you've got to be someone who can provide that space for something as raw as that, especially if it's successful. Yeah, yeah. And I've always been, I don't know, I get people just 
or even on Instagram or anyone on Facebook, they'll just tell me their whole, not their life story, but in particular around their sex secrets or something that they've held onto for so long and they just blurt it all out to me. I seem to hold the the vibration of come and tell me all your sex secrets <laughs> and I will help you. <laughs> Being someone in that position who's seen very much as like the leader in that space, how do you deal with people reaching out with that sort of level or depth of emotion? I'm inundated. Like oh, my Instagram is just I can't, I can't handle it all and so I will send them my coaching prices because if people really want to do the work, they'll be willing to pay for coaching yeah. um, for a session. And, you know, a lot of women will say, oh, but I can't afford $220. And it's like, well, you know, when we clear our sexuality blocks, when we, when we work on our sexuality, it actually flows into money. We start to become more abundant. If Often if we have money blocks, we also have sexuality blocks. I don't know if you agree with that, but it's yep. it, it. And it's like if you just invest in this, I'm telling you now, your money blocks will start to fade away and, you know, you'll start to have better sex. Like it's win-win. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of like the feeling of not being deserving or not being worthy relates back to sexuality. Yeah, you know, and a lot of us feel unworthy of pleasure. It's like we're okay with feeling pain it's like I can sit here right now and go (laughs) or I can go you know and make a moan and like people are so much more comfortable with grunting and anger and you know but if I was to make a sexual sound of pleasure or ecstasy it's like people like oh it's like that um I think it's something that's not something about Mary it's a movie where Meg Ryan does the whole fake orgasm and everyone freaks out I know. That's exactly what I think about if someone wants to do that. It's so true. And we do a lot of that in naked yoga. It's not just yoga. It's like full feminine expression and getting comfortable with all sounds, both anger and, you know, making those grunting sounds, but also, yeah, moaning and groaning. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I was excited to talk to you. Yeah. Because you don't often have these sorts of conversations. No. Well, I don't anyway. Not enough. I I really am surprised that I was pretty much the first person to hold naked yoga in Australia and the first um, online shop with what I do, you know. It's it's crazy. We're like (laughs) in the 21st century. Pioneer. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Before we get into your story, it's one question that I always have to ask and that is could you please – Describe the way that you view yourself as a woman and or human. Mm. I am I'm warm. I'm approachable. I'm sensual. I'm vibrant and playful but also deep and I kind of describe myself as an extroverted introvert. Okay, come out. And do my thing but I'm very much so a private person and I value my own time and I recharge on my own that's amazing yeah <laughs> that's one of the best answers so far it's Aww. like 98 episodes that's one of the best that's cool <laughs> <laughs> um, we might as well dive straight into your story seeing as it starts with upbringing sure um, so I was brought up on a property uh, in rural Queensland and was my mum's second marriage. 
Um, so, and he was very Catholic. So I was brought up with this very Catholic um, presence in my life, which was a good thing and a bad thing because I really connected to God. Like for me, God, having a relationship with God and spirit was what got me through so many dark times in my childhood and my well, teenage years. I like, yeah, I don't know what I would have done without that connection. Um, but then on the same token, as a teenager, I had so much sexual energy, like more than ever in my life. And, you know, they always say teenage boys have this thing. I was like a teenage boy, <laughs> but I had all this sexual energy that I couldn't channel into anything. So because I had all this, this belief that I need to save it for marriage. Yeah. And, and, you know, I had my first sexual experience when I was six with another girl well. my age. And I think that's really common. Child play, sex play is really, really common. And I held shame about that for so many years. Like I just thought, you know, I was the only one and it was really naughty. And even though we didn't get caught, I still knew it was bad, Yeah, you know. And it's funny that now I'm a lesbian. <laughs> I often find your first sexual experience, whether it is a bit of play or, you know, losing your virginity, it really does sculpt and kind of shape your sexual life yeah and that can be in a really good way or a really bad not that i believe in good and bad but like you know if you've had a, a rape for example as your first sexual experience it that can often pave the way for you know you not letting anyone in and yep. shutting your sexuality down and not letting yourself receive pleasure or orgasms which is devastating you know and that's why i love doing what i do um so yeah i had all this sexual energy from the age of six and this is why Jeez. i think we just need more sex education at a younger age um, for boys and girls. And, um, yeah, I, it, it's, it's like I kept a lid on it until I was about 25 and then, um, yeah, went to Tony Robbins, this incredible, um, seminar that just blasted me open. And I realized so much about myself. And I remember someone asking me, Rosie, if you could do anything with your life and not have any fear, fear, there was fear didn't exist. You could just go and do it. What would you do? And I was like, I'd become a sex therapist. Like instantly, it wasn't even, there was no thought process and I didn't even have a filter. And I was like, oh my God, but I can't do that because of my belief system. But I was like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and then literally every step I took after that was in paving the way to doing what I do now. And even though I'm not a sex therapist, I don't, I don't even need to be because I'm, I'm helping so many women have more orgasms. So that's what matters. Yeah. Um, so... Moving on from there, where does your life go from that Tony Robbins event? So I realized I had ended up in a, an abusive relationship. So I was wow. 25. I was living in Sydney. My boss was highly manipulative, emotionally, you know, controlling. I couldn't even have a night to myself. So we worked next to, next to each other the whole day and then we spent every night together and it was getting worse and worse and worse and I, I felt so trapped. I just, you know, it was getting really bad. Um, and then I realized at this seminar, oh my God, I'm, I'm completely in an abusive relationship here and I had to plan my escape basically and so I quit. Well, I got moved. I had to break up with him um, and then I had to move offices and I had to almost take a restraining order out and all this kind of stuff. Police were involved. Like it was bad. I'm like, how did I get to this place? Um, 
And then after that, I just like, after leaving such a toxic relationship, and can I just backtrack there yeah, a little bit? I attracted that in. Yeah. So I moved to Sydney from living in London for many years and doing the sort of the backpacking thing and working over there. And I, I came to Sydney, I knew no one. I was scared. I was very fearful and I was just clinging to anything to, to give me safety, security, identity. And when you attract in, obviously I'm going to attract in a similar vibration when I'm at, at that space in my life. So I attracted him in and I'm so grateful for his presence in my life because literally if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So yeah. I had that realisation I want to help other women get out of toxic relationships. So it's all divine. <laughs> yeah. And then I quit my job and went to India and did my yoga teacher training. Wow. Yeah. How did that decision come about? I was living with a girlfriend of mine um, and she just said, I'm going, I'm quitting because she worked for ACP magazines and had a dream. We both had dream jobs in Sydney. We could have climbed the corporate ladder and done that, but we were so burnt out and I was drinking every day. I was smoking cigarettes every single day. I was putting on more and I was probably like 10, 15 kilos heavier than what I am today. Just even though I went to the gym all the time, just emotion, often if we feel unsafe, yep. we just pack it on like as a as safety protection. And then, um, yeah, she said, I'm going to India, come with me. And I just literally <laughs> booked my flight. I didn't tell anyone. My parents were like, what are you doing with your life? Was that hard for you as someone who was brought up religious to go and do yoga? Yeah. Yeah, because it didn't feel like it was in alignment with my Christian beliefs. But by that stage, I was in a pretty dark space, so I didn't really, I didn't feel like even had a connection to God at that time. Well, And then it was funny, in India, I felt like I reconnected to God, but in a totally different way. I became more spiritual rather than God-focused. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's powerful. Yeah. Uh, what happens from there? I cleared out my addictions, basically. So drinking and smoking, I just... I dropped so much weight over there because I was just yoga every day, clean eating. Realized that I had all these crutches um, that I felt like I needed to survive. Um, and came back. And would you believe I got into it all again? Got back into a corporate job, back into an unhealthy relationship with a boss. Different city, completely <laughs> same thing, repeated. And that's, I think, when you realize there's a pattern. Yeah. And after that is when I made the full-on changes and, um, yeah, I started doing kundalini yoga. And kundalini yoga, I don't know if you've ever done it before. No, I It's yoga but very it's very focused on your kundalini energy, which is your life force energy, which is based in your lower chakras. Yeah. And so it's a very, I mean, Russell Brand, Russell, is it Russell Brand? Yeah. Calls it the crack cocaine of yoga. <laughs> and he's sober. So, you know, he, he uses it to elevate your sexual energy and elevate your life force and you become more radiant and so I discovered this yoga that was incorporating breath work and because I'd, I'd really got into some unhealthy sexual like just needing sex like almost like sex addiction yeah you know, I'd quit all the cigarettes and the drinking and it's like it just re-channeled into something else I'm like oh my fucking god and so I used kundalini yoga to channel to cleanse out my system and, and basically use my sexual energy for me not needing to give it to somebody else validation or you know approval it was like just learning to circulate it in my own body yeah 
Yeah. That um, I met someone a couple of months ago who reached out over Instagram. I went to his house. Uh, we spoke about breath work and in um, particular Kundalini and him doing it in the way that he utilizes it. And that's what snapped me out of watching porn and masturbating and understanding the power and like circulating the energy. Absolutely. Whether it's porn, smoking, drinking, sex, it's like it's all the same base chakra. You know, we're just not tapping into the full power of it. Yeah. And using it in our body but also in our creative ventures or our career. Like I channel my sexual energy now into my work and my my projects because if you're not creating babies, essentially what are you creating? (laughs) That's powerful and that's I've found that when I have that urge to go and watch porn or something like that, and I deny that urge and I go back into like something creative like doing the podcast or anything like that, usually I make really good shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's always magnified and amplified when you've got like this sexual energy just buzzing away inside you. It's like that, the, yeah, what you can bring to the table is so much more powerful than, yeah, if, you, if your sexual energy is getting depleted. And I remember being with an ex-boyfriend and he picked me up from work once and I said to him, I felt his energy. As soon as I got in the car, I felt his energy. I said, have you watched porn and ejaculated today? And I wasn't like attacking him, but I was like, I could just sense. Yeah. He's like, yeah, like an hour ago, how did you know? Like, I can just feel it in your energy. You're not as, well, he wasn't as touchy-feely, but also just he seemed a bit more depleted than usual. And it was that comment that got him to quit porn. And he'd been a porn addict for 40 plus years. So he's an older guy. And um, he still doesn't watch it anymore. And and as soon as he quit porn, our sex life became so, he was like ravenous for me, you know, all the time. And there was more polarity and more chemistry rather than, you know. Yeah. And I think. I've, what I've noticed myself is because I was like introduced to sex and porn at about eight and I think that's the average now is like seven years old as wow. people start watching porn or kids do and so I had a porn addiction and that altered the way that I viewed women and what I wanted from a woman and a relationship and so since I've stopped watching porn I've noticed my relationships flourished because mm. I've stopped expecting my partner to be a porn star. Right. <laughs> And, you know, in porn, you're flicking from one to the next to the next yep. and you're needing bigger and better and more violent and more out there and it just gets to the point where, you know, it's completely unrealistic and then you get home to your partner and it's like you get the one version and it's not changing. Yep. And you've got to – and this is why I encourage a lot of women um, around self-pleasure to even – so a lot of women watch porn. Yeah, so that's, I, that's something I didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't even understand it because I've never really – I've watched – I've dabbled, but it's never been something I'm that interested in. And I'm in a – I have this 30-day Yoni Egg Challenge group at the moment and I was so shocked to see how many women are addicted to porn. Watch it. Just use a vibrator and watch porn. And both of those are very externalized experiences. Yeah. You know, it's basically your brain is having an orgasm really. Like your clitoris is, but your brain – is the biggest sex organ, yeah. right? And it's like porn is just stimulating that and it's it's like fan, it's fantasy land and when you start to get rid of porn, get rid of vibrators, even dildos, you know, you, you can just use 
your fingers and use your your breath and and your body and your sounds like even connecting the sound helps you open and become more orgasmic yeah well we did a breathwork session a couple of nights ago and one of the guys in the breathwork session had full body orgasms like 45 to 60 minutes worth and i didn't know what was happening but i could just hear every time he breathed out i was like oh. and when he said it at the end i just pissed myself laughing inside not externally yeah. i don't make him feel weird but i didn't even know that it was possible to have an orgasm without ejaculating yeah and it's like your whole body convulses and it's like a full body experience and that's the thing. It's like we've just been conditioned to believe that this is sex and this is pleasure and this is orgasm, but it's it's not. And for a woman, there's so much more pleasure internally. Like if we're just doing the clitoral stimulation, which feels great and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a sneeze. It's a genital sneeze. <laughs> it's not that full body experience that I have and that I want everyone to and men can have. And it doesn't even have to be a sexual experience. Breathwork, it's not a sexual experience. Yeah. But it can be, by <laughs> the sounds of it. Um, I took us way off on a tangent, but back to I think you, you're in the second relationship that's toxic that you've attracted. Mm. You've realized that it's a pattern. Where do you go from there? So that's when I started practicing kundalini yoga. And I did that in Bali. And whilst I was there in Bali doing my kundalini yoga teacher training, I discovered the jade egg, which was which is a crystal yoni egg that you wear inside the vagina. And again, I think those two practices made me just come within. I was always out, like, give me love, give me attention, give me sex, give me cigarettes or whatever it is. But it just, the whole experience helped me come within. And I, I dabbled in plant medicine and um, I moved from Brisbane to Perth. I didn't know anyone here. It was like this clean slate. My whole family had kind of moved over it. And I moved into this house with a nudist. And he was like, well, why don't you try Because he would walk around the house naked. Wow. And he, wa- he, he warned me about it. It wasn't a weird thing at all, actually. And he's like, why don't you try it someday when I'm out of the house? Just see how it feels because it's like this beach shack. And, you know, there was this <laughs> huge backyard. And I thought, oh, Okay. And so I started practicing yoga, my kundalini yoga outside under the sun, completely naked and usually with my egg inside me as well. And it was like having this huge life-changing experience. And I couldn't believe, first of all, though, I couldn't believe how critical I was of my body. Yeah. I was really beating myself up. My body didn't look how I wanted it to look. And I think that's what the whole naked nudity part is so important, what I do, because you know, when we strip back the layers physically and, you know, metaphorically as well, we, we see what's at, what's at the core. And it's like everything becomes clearer and you become more present with what is. Um, and so I, I had this download, this message from above saying, you need to teach this for women and you need to sell jade eggs because no, no one knows about this and you're the one. And I, was, I just was like, okay, it's my task. It's what well. I'm doing now. And it was tempting to go back into corporate because that was safe. But, yeah, this is – I always knew I had a, a bigger mission. How do you, as someone who's critiquing or judging their body, allow yourself to put yourself in that position, to be essentially like the face of this movement with those jade eggs? I, I had to get out of my own way. 
I had to not care what other people thought of me. I initially, when I launched it, luckily for me, the media was super positive about it. Well. Yeah, they were, they just took it on and I did so many live television interviews and I went on a tour around Australia and taught because I just was so, I need to get this message out there, you know, more women need to experience this. This is crazy. And radio interviews and it was like, I had a few negative articles written, but it was only by a woman, well, one woman didn't even know me and had never even experienced what I did. She just wanted to judge. And it was a yoga teacher as well. Well. Um, And so in that moment when that was published and a few people sent it to me, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to even read it. And if I'm ever, if this happens again, uh, it's, it just means I'm being, I'm being loud with this. And if you're not getting haters, you're not loud enough. Exactly. And to be honest with what you're doing, it's probably, if they're traditionalist in terms of yoga, it's probably threatening the way that they've governed or lived their life according to what they think yoga is. Yeah, exactly. And I think they were trying to keep, they, I think they thought maybe what I was doing wasn't sacred or that being naked, you know, that everyone has their own belief systems and their own experience with nudity and sexuality. And it's really, it's sensitive topics for a lot of people. So it brings up their shit. Yeah. Me doing this and feeling confident and going around teaching these workshops, they were like, this isn't right. <laughs> well, it wasn't right because it was, you know, so many people, no one had done it before. So it was really rattling their cage. But I think it's six years later now. So they've seen that I'm not stopping what I'm doing. <laughs> so I think they just piped down in the end. <laughs> so how do you, um, like you didn't read their article, but how do you, or how did you take any negativity that come your way? I remember I was with my family and I was at this cafe and I burst into tears. I remember I I didn't read the whole thing. I just read a couple of comments and stuff and I thought, oh, my God, is this going to – I guess what worried me is like, is there going to be more of this? Yeah. And they just said, you know what, Rosie, be loud – like keep going even if there is criticism because you know what you're doing is right and coming from the heart. And so in that moment I was like, all right, anyone can say anything. It's like since then nothing – no, there's been no <laughs> negativity. That's amazing. Mm. And you're so confident with the way that you portray yourself as well. So yeah. I think when you step out, especially into a space like that, with confidence, people take you a lot more seriously. If you were timid and didn't show yourself authentically or confidently, then people would try and take advantage and attack you. Yeah, I think I just hold the right ingredients to, to fly this flag of what I'm doing because I don't think everyone will bring their own energy to it and I'd love to do a naked yoga teacher training for other women and I, I, not everyone's going to be like me so I need to be open to different energies that want to hold this kind of space but I guess for pioneering it, yeah, no one can shut me up really. What, what was the initial reaction? Was that the whole media tour for naked yoga or was that for the the jade stones themselves the the naked yoga was super positive by the media it was they were they were like wow what is this because at the time i was teaching couples naked yoga as well so women's and me my ex-partner were were touring and teaching the couples and so i think that's what they found outrageous that we were doing this three-hour partner yoga naked workshop and they loved it. The media loved it because it was something new, new and interesting. Um, but the, the partner yoga was 
incredible. We had three women conceive children that the night of that had been trying for years, fertility treatments and all this kind of stuff. And then you get skin on skin contact and eye contact and breathing together and leaning into each other and stretching your bodies. And then voila, you go home, make love because you've already had all this oxytocin and this vulnerability and you're sharing this space together. It's no wonder there was some babies conceived. It's like the next level of connection. Totally. And the next level of actually seeing someone. Because when I go and speak, like share my lived experience, we do eye gazing and that breaks people down. That makes people cry. So I cannot imagine what doing that naked does. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So many tears in naked yoga. It's not all, you know, playful and fun. It's deep. You, you're really looking, and I get the women to do it in my women's workshops, and they're like, I haven't even done this with my husband of 20 years, wow. and yet I'm sitting here opposite this complete stranger, you know, for, and it's only usually to one track, three, four-minute song, and I get them just look in the left eye, the window to the soul, and just, wow, and they, they see past lives, they see through the, the facade and into the soul. We need to be doing that on, like, tinder dates you know you need to cut through the shit like (laughs) let me see into your soul let me see i could see myself with you yeah because no matter what when you're looking into someone's eyes they're gonna see every bit of you yeah you can't hide you can't put a mask over those eyes no and more people in relationships need to be doing that that's profound yeah that's one of the most powerful exercises absolutely that i found hands down yeah um so you're doing this tour with your partner. Um, it's going well in terms of media. What happens from there? So after that, um, we, I come home and we end up breaking up uh, after that. We were just on a different page with, you know, I think I always went for people who I believed in them and I saw their potential And so although he had the potential, you know, there was, again, lots of money blocks and lots of sexuality stuff that he hadn't dealt with Um, and myself, you know. So it was one of those growth – I call them growth relationships uh, and they're hard work. So that – my relationship finished and then I basically just put all my energy into the online shop um, because that's – I could only reach a certain amount of people yeah. in these workshops in the vicinity of Australia. So the online shop is selling to all over the world now and I just kept, you know, designing new shaped dildos and doing more podcasts about it, writing blogs, doing interviews. Like I just felt like getting women to use an egg and like I've got a yoni egg inside me right now is it's empowering them to take their, you know, it's something that they can go and use, something sacred it doesn't, it's not going to give them an orgasm straight away, but it's getting them to connect to that part of their body. And so many women are just disconnected from their belly button down. In fact, some are just disconnected from the, the collarbones down, like the breast, the yoni, like it's all. I need to understand this, and I don't know if I will, but <laughs> could you explain how that works? The egg? Yeah. So it's, a, it's an egg-shaped stone, and it's a, an ancient practice from China. So the, the queen and her concubines back 5,000 years ago used to use this jade stone inside their yonis to keep a really strong pelvic floor. So they had this, obviously the king 
you know, wanted lots of offspring and lots of casual sex with his concubines and they all wanted to keep a really strong, healthy reproductive system. So they used to say that it, it kept it tight, strong, toned, um, fertile um, and just healthy, I guess. It's a, it makes sense. You know, back then we didn't have surgeries to, you know, after a woman's given birth, everything obviously stretches and bears down and opens. It can be quite hard to regenerate the muscles and the tissue yeah. internally. Um, and so surgeries are really common for helping women sort of stitch it up and, and, and make it tighter again. But back then we didn't have that. So using a stone inside you, it's kind of like a weight so you've, if you stand up and walk around, you've got gravity, and then you've got this weight inside you, and then you've got this res- resistance effect. So you don't even feel the oh, egg well. necessarily. But it's like your pelvic floor is doing these little pulses to hold it in. Well, so you're not consciously like having to do it. No, unless you've had like five children, then you have to consciously. Some okay. women actually do have to <laughs> consciously hold it on and just, you know, walk around the house with it in for five minutes and that's enough for them. So, but what happens is women start to, by using the egg regularly every day or 30 minutes a day, they start to become more orgasmic and more dexterous. So wow. during sex, they can start to massage the lingam or the penis. Um, they can start to squirt or have, you know, ejaculation, female ejaculation. Um, they're more lubricated. Their hormones become more balanced. Like there's all these crazy benefits that come from it. And they're more connected. They're more in touch. And that's what I love, women connecting to that space. So is this not mainstream just because of the space it's in? I think so. It's a lot of benefits. It has a lot of benefits. Um, and there's a lot of skeptics about it. But, you know, I've been, I think, anything to do, again, with sexuality. People that just shun it because of it's that yep. vibration. And they've got their own hang-ups about sex. But really it's... This should be something that girls get as a teenager to be like, here, learn to connect to your yoni. Because so many women hit 30, 40 years old and they're sneezing and wetting wetting themselves because of their pelvic floor muscles. We're not taught to actually activate it. Men need to do it too. The Kegels, have you heard of Kegels? Yes, I thought that was the thing for women. Yeah, it's for men too. Shit. And even guys can do um, pelvic floor kind of lifts. And, and weightlifting, you can hang something on your penis and do. It actually helps with your sexual, you know, keeping your that part of your body really strong and wow. lots of blood flow. That's amazing. It's 20 a day or 20 and then three reps of 20 a day is enough. You can be doing it, it right go. now. No one's going to know. <laughs> I've taken us off on a tangent again. I'm sorry. I love tangents. <laughs> but this is why I wanted you here because I want to talk about this stuff because yeah. <laughs> I want to learn. Um, so back to you've just done this tour with your partner, uh, you separate your part ways. What happens from there? So all my energy is going into the online shop. Um, we're selling products all over the world. And basically from there, I've just, I keep, I'm doing, I start an online course with the Yoni egg. Um, yeah, I'm just living it now, living the dream. I, I don't feel as though I work. Yeah, I feel as though I'm I'm just every day is such a blessing. That's amazing. And you're part of the two mum tribe now, which is something I love. I love seeing you and your partner on Instagram, especially your stories. Um, could you talk about that transition at all? Yeah. So after my ex-partner and I split up and then I had another partner briefly for about a year, 
I, I met this girl, this is about three or four years ago. I, I saw her up on stage. I don't know if you've heard of Jungle Body. Yep. And she's a Jungle Body instructor. And I remember seeing, this is when I was with my partner who I used to tour around Australia with doing naked yoga. So I was with him at the time and I went to this Jungle Body class and I was like, who is this woman on stage? Like I just was just instantly attracted and I felt something. I And I even said it to my girlfriend in the car on the way home. I was like this. I was so felt something there. And she's like, yeah, okay, wow. And so I, I left it um, because she was with a partner and I was with a partner. And then last year I just reached out to her randomly. So we'd been following each other on Instagram for three or four years and I just said to her, I was so blunt. I can't believe she, she must have thought I was crazy. I just said, are you into women? I just had to. And even though she was with a man, I was like, I just feel like my gaydar is, I know, she's she's a lesbian. <laughs> and she was like, wow, that's a really blunt question. Um, I am into women. Why is that? And I was like, oh, I've just – and I was playful, you know. I was like, oh, I've been girl fanning on you. I've been girl crushing you for ages. And she's like, oh, that's crazy. I've been girl fanning on you. And so we kind of had this little laugh and then, but then we realized that might actually be something there. And I'd never really given myself permission to be with a woman. I feel like perhaps if, you know, someone had said to me as a young girl, Rosie, you can be with women too, you know, you don't have to just be with men. Yeah. Explore your sexuality. And yeah, I kissed girls and we explored and stuff, but no one, I never felt like I could actually be in a relationship with a girl. I just didn't think that was an option. Yeah. Um, and so when I reached out to her, that wasn't my intention at all. But then when we met in person a few days later, it was instant. It was like this soul connection. I cannot live without you now. Like, and we both felt it. And so I guess the only downside to the story is we both had to separate from our partners and who are both men and, that was that was hard to to do that because obviously we didn't want to break people's hearts, but we also couldn't deny how we were feeling. Yeah, and I think the men took it okay. You know, it's not like we left them for another man. And a lot of men can kind of feel like that's a bit of an ego kill to them. But we were just yeah, we just instantly got together. And she's got a two and a half year old, so that was added to the mix. So I instantly became a stepmom and. And she's an All Blacks fan, which makes yeah. me really happy. <laughs> yeah, she's half Kiwi. Yeah, so. <laughs> made me happy to see that. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> um, I got a couple questions. You spoke about the drugs or the alcohol and cigarettes. Looking back now, do you have an understanding of what you were using those to cope with or why you needed them? I feel as though I needed freedom. Like I went to boarding school and I felt very trapped. I didn't feel as though I had freedom. And so for me, lighting a cigarette and putting my head out the window and smoking a cigarette, was that was my little clutch at freedom. Well. Um, however, that, that freedom that I was seeking, it more and more it became like it was taking away my freedom because I started getting more addicted to it. And then I didn't feel free because I'm like, oh, my God, when am I going to have my next cigarette? And so I feel like, yeah, alcohol and cigarette. And alcohol was very much so weaved in with the cigarette. So I actually had to quit. And this is, again, I'm so happy I met my ex-boyfriend because he got me off cigarettes. He said, well, deal breaker. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be with you if you smoke. And I was like, shit, I've got to quit smoking now. <laughs> and so I had to quit drinking. So I stopped drinking for six to 12 months. And that helped me cut the habit of 
smoking. And it was all just a, you know, I was just avoiding what was really deep down going on inside me. It was just a mask, shutting it off, don't want to deal with it, to have another cigarette. Wow. And what was it you weren't dealing with? For me, it was being okay with not needing it, not needing to have something to to have as a habit or crutch or, you know, something I need outside of myself. I think it for me it was like so it gave me an identity or it, made, it was like a social thing as well, although it became quite antisocial because I'd do it on my own anyway. Um, and a whole lot of issues came up when I quit. It's like all the shit came to the surface, <laughs> so much emotion that I hadn't dealt with. And luckily I had a, an amazing partner at the time to hold space for me to clear that stuff and there's stuff around family and, you know, um, feeling safe in a relationship. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. How were you able to clear that? A lot of crying. I cried so much. Um, I did a lot of tantra, um, you know, work like self-development. I had to have really uncomfortable conversations with family members because they, they were like, why are you doing this? this? This body of work that I delved into around sexuality and nudity and this new partner because he was a bit of a hippie. They were yeah. like, who is he? They refused to meet him. Um, so I had to have really painful conversations. I almost had to divorce my family initially, one side of my family didn't necessarily agree with the path that I was going on and so I had to separate from them to be able to create my new identity and so now we're very very close but that two years of my life when I quit smoking drinking when I was with this hippie boyfriend you know and I didn't have any contact with them I found myself it's amazing that's like finding yourself as you find self-respect that's powerful. Yeah. I had to re- redefine myself. When you were going through that phase of the uh, <coughs> alcohol and cigarettes, do you feel like you knew who you were? I didn't know who I was without it. Because wow. I started drinking and smoking maybe 14, 15 Whew. years old. Not heavy, but just, yeah. you know, socially. But I was very social. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to discover who I was as who's Rosie now? And then I went right down the clean, eating, vegan, no drinking, ecstatic dance, yoga, meditation, right, like opposite ends of the spectrum. How do you give yourself permission to delve that deep? Is that something that most people fear doing because they're scared of not liking who they actually are? Yeah, I think that it's important to be able to do that kind of inner work because if you don't, you might not know, you might not figure it out. It might not be something you like. Like even though I was doing all those amazing things, I was actually going going through so much turmoil, but that, that built up so much resilience in me, you know. So I think by cutting certain things out of your life, whether that's family members sometimes or food or, you know, certain addictions, um, you get to really uncover who you are and and kind of rebuild who you are. You get to choose. 
do I want to be, what do I want to be today? And even I do this every day. I wake up and I'm like, who do I, what do I want to do today? Who do I want to be? You don't ever have to be who you were yesterday. You can always recreate in any moment who you want to be. Yep. Was it hard for you to let go of, I guess, pleasing people or fitting into what people wanted you to be? I because I didn't know anyone in Perth, I'd moved over like a clean slate. I didn't have any, if I was back in Brisbane in my old lifestyle, yes. If I was working in a corporate job, no, I definitely couldn't have done what I did with cleansing out of those, you know, those toxic things in my life. I, I couldn't. So I actually went, really went in. I didn't go out much. I didn't go out actually. I didn't go out to clubs or pubs or restaurants much we, we it was really we yeah we did a lot of work on ourselves and and just went to sort of conscious wellness events that's <laughs> awesome uh, one thing you touched on uh was that you saw potential in your partner is that was that something you did in the past relationships as well like you see the potential and want to help someone realize that yeah, I, I think I've definitely been a rescuer as a partner. Um, the people that I attract in usually have, you know, things that I want to help them with or, or ch- help rescue them. And I believe that that all stems back to childhood because I had to basically rescue my mum in many, many different situations well. um, in her life. I was more of the mother figure in that relationship and she went through one divorce, two divorce, three divorces. I was there to pick up the pieces and she went through alcohol addiction and through suicidal stuff. And yeah, it, that kind of, that rescuing, I guess, is what I paired with love. Love is taking care of somebody because when you're a four-year-old, five-year-old doing this kind of thing, that's what you link in your brain. You're like, okay, this was my, must be what it means to love and be loved is, yeah. is that cycle. Did you find it hard to um, go from being this person who had to constantly love and support to someone who could accept the love and support? Because sometimes when you're a giver, it's really hard to take time for yourself or put yourself first. Mm. Yeah, learning to receive is a big thing. It was a huge thing for me. I, in fact, I remember a girlfriend and I, she used to, we used to sit on the couch and she'd give me foot massages and I, she'd, we'd switch and then I'd give her them or, or like back tickles or something. And I always felt so uncomfortable with the receiving part. And I told her one day, I was like, I actually really can't surrender. Like I keep thinking, oh, I've, got to, I've got to give to you. And it was just through that even that I learned to receive, like just fully receive. And other practices like yoni massage, I don't know if you've heard of yoni, no. it's essentially vulva ma- vagina massage. And you can see people like there's yoni mapping specialists and yoni massage specialists. And you go to them and it's a full body massage, including the breasts and the yoni. So it's just not excluding our genitals and our, and our breasts. And there's lingam massages as well. And I remember just sobbing, like being complete, because I, I didn't need to give anything back. It was just getting, I was just receiving, and it was a very spiritual experience. It's not, not like an erotic experience. It can be, but for me, it was, and for many, many women, it's like you just 
receiving without needing to give something back to that person, like a sexual favor or, you know, oh, here, let me do you now. And even in, you can do that in a relationship. Be like one night, just, I'm just going to give to you. And maybe tomorrow night or the next week, you just give to me and I'm just going to receive. And it's like learning to fully absorb, you know, when you're, when you're, someone's giving to you and not needing to give something back. Even when you're looking into somebody's eyes, you know, a lot of people will smile at them or like yeah. need to figure out them or fix them or, you know, it's like just you don't have to give anything. You just be. Just feel it. Yeah. It's powerful. Were you the same um, and constantly needing to give like within sexual relationships as well? Yeah. I'm always feeling like I need to use my sexuality to, to kind of give that person pleasure or get pleasure for myself. Like it was always a bit of a give and take thing. Yeah. And then when I discovered the yoni egg, that was the first time it was just, there's no giving and receiving. It was not to get an orgasm or to give pleasure. It was like just to connect. And even with my current relationship, you know, it's, it's not about, and this is, I'm actually really loving being with a woman because there's no intercourse per se. There's no, like, I, I feel like my womb and my, my yoni's like really loving just being, not needing to give anything back or have sex if it was, you know, to please my partner. It's like almost, you can have simultaneous sex with a woman, but it's often me giving to her and her having a beautiful orgasm or her giving to me. And sometimes it's, and often it's not like one after the other, often just giving and then switch the next day. It's, and I love that. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's one of the reasons that I I love watching your stories is because you guys can tell you're very much in love and you're not ashamed to show it, especially especially in public. How have you managed to build the confidence and self acceptance to be like that as someone who didn't really understand being a lesbian beforehand? <laughs> yeah, no, the switch. Um, I, I mean, initially I found it a little bit uncomfortable holding hands in public because people stare. I remember I was walking through Claremont Shopping Centre and we were holding hands and these older people were looking at us. And then we've only had one couple, like it was an older couple, and they sat under their breath and we were holding hands and they walked past us and they just like scoffed at us. And I'm like, oh. And that's when I realized, because I, f- I kind of forget that I'm with a woman and that it's different or yep. that it's not commonplace. And I remember thinking, what the actual fuck? Like, this is still happening in our society. I love her. It's, gender doesn't even come into it. It's, it's an energy. I don't know if you've heard of pansexual. or It's a, just loving someone's being, you know, it's their soul, yep. whether they're man or woman, it doesn't actually matter. And... Um, yeah, it's initially I found it awkward, but then now it's like it's so normal and people don't really look so much anymore. Do you find has that come about because you're so open with being so in love and because people see that that allows you to be you? Yeah, I've always been like this with partners. I'm very oh, wow. I hold hands, I kiss them, I touch them, I'm all over them like in public. Um, PDA over the top, but it, with any partner, and it hasn't stopped with her. You know, it's not just because we're a woman. We don't want to kind of trigger people or kind of get you know, kind of sideward glances at us. I don't give a shit. It's anyway, if it's love, you know, you should be able to show that love 
anywhere you go. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and you said, did your partner have a daughter or son? She has a daughter. How how are you going about? raising her daughter is there anything in particular that you're doing to instill beliefs so that when they come up against criticism that they're steadfast within that or accept themselves enough within that yeah it'll come up uh, she's she's almost three so she's it's it was interesting the other day because me and we we butt heads sometimes me and her name's Kenzie and you know, I said to her the other day, I said, Kenzie, can we be friends? And she was like, you're not a boy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm already getting prejudice from a three-year-old. I said, well, mummy's, okay, so mummy was with daddy, now mummy's with a girl. And she's like, and I said, can that be okay? And she's like, no, need something about being a boy. And I was like, okay, I get it. But mummy's with another mummy and you've got two mummies now and a daddy and daddy will have another you know wife in in the future I'm sure and and so just getting her comfortable with having initially even us showing love to each other like kissing she would just lose it well she was really uncomfortable with it um and so now she's not she's used to it and she kind of giggles at us and stuff but it's it's interesting because obviously she was she would have just seen her mummy and daddy together initially and it's I'm sure she's going through her own processing but at the you know at the end of the day she's receiving love from so many different sources and um, and we're just teaching her to you know I guess me coming into her life because Ash isn't so much in the sexual realm yeah she's a dance instructor choreographer science geek like she's so different <laughs> to me um, and you know I'm teaching Kenzie about crystals and she's we get a mirror so every time she looks in the mirror she says I am beautiful. Like, yes. just like, um, these are the things that I wish I was shown as a, a young girl. Hell you know, yes. even if she touches her yoni, that's fine. You can do that. Just go and do it in your bedroom. Like, there's no shaming. So it's, I really want to be able to have my impact on her in a, in a really positive way. And you will. Yeah. And I know I will. <laughs> I already am. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And that is, and that's something that kids definitely need growing up that self-acceptance and not having to harbour shame because they feel like they need to fit into society's stereotypes. Yeah, because I have, had I had a parent or a, an elder say to me, it's okay, Rosie, to be in love with a woman. You can explore that if you like, want to. Maybe I would have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you, it probably would have helped you relinquish that shame about that experience at six years old. Yep. And then I remember I kissed a girl in high school and then I was shamed at school. People called me a lesbian and I was like so mortified. It was my best friend at the time called me a lesbian and was spreading this rumor. And I actually thought about this the other day. I'm like, oh, my God, maybe that's why I didn't actually let myself be with women because I had this shame like it was a bad thing. Yeah, that's understandable, especially at high school or something mm. like that, where the pressure to fit in is pretty intense. You don't want to be intense. different. Yeah. yeah. You want to be the same when you're that age. You're like, oh, I don't want to be feel like box. high school is going to determine the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, I guess we can wrap up that story, but one thing I want to ask is what advice would you 
give to someone out there who's going through body image issues, knowing that you are this uh, nude yogi who does this hold space and allows people to become comfortable within themselves and within their bodies? You get one body in this lifetime. You get to choose how you relate to it. And, and it doesn't matter if you've abused it, if you've had eating disorders, body dysmorphia, body shame, trauma, whatever it is, you can choose again. You can cho- make a different choice every single day. And, and I often liken it to you know, Dr. Emoto's project that he did, his study on frozen water. Yeah. And he put good, good energy, love and all this into the, this one and then he put bad juju into this one. And under the microscope you can see the beautiful formations of, of the water in this one and like the morphed kind of globs in this one. And it's the same with our body, right? Like if we're hating on our body all the time, the cells are going to like mutate and be pissed at you and get sick and get disease and not feel good. And so if you're hating on yourself, it will, it's, it's going to give you that energy back. And if we give our body love and our yoni, you know, all of our body, often we, you know, separate that part, it's going to give you love back. It's going to feel more energized. It's going to feel more vibrant. You're going to potentially lose the the weight that maybe you're holding or, you know, you just, you'll feel better in your energy. Yeah. And science, well, I think Bruce Lipton coined the term epigenetics and that's been accepted as a legitimate science now. So we know that your environment impacts your cells and your genes and the way those genes are expressed. So definitely the way that you treat yourself, speak to yourself. If you speak to yourself poorly in terms of the way that you look, you're only going to affirm that by eating shit or treating yourself poorly or being in a toxic relationship. Exactly. Yeah, our mindset, we can change the way we relate to our body. And I think come to a new yoga workshop. If you're listening to this and it's you're terrified of it, if your heart's racing and even the thought, that means you've got to do it. Yeah. You know, that's your calling to come and do it. Because often it's the women that go, fuck, no, I could never do that, that actually get the most out of it, have the biggest transformation. Because what happens, you sit around in this circle naked and you look at all these different shapes and sizes and colors and ages and you're like, oh, we're all beautiful. We're all like there's, there's no judgment in the room. And then you see, okay, well, we don't all look like that Photoshopped Instagram model. Yeah, in a way, clothes are like a mask. Like the separator. Yeah. You know, you could be sitting next to a CEO or you can, we're all the same in the room and there's nothing between us. It's, it's a beautiful experience and you can do it with yourself at home in, in your own bedroom That's in powerful. front of the mirror and that can be enough for some people. Yeah. Uh, a couple quick questions and we'll wrap up. Mm-hmm. Knowing everything that you've been through and knowing the trajectory your life is on at the moment, which is just up and up and up. Hmm. What would you say the quality of your life is like now? Magnificent. (laughs) Yeah. Just, it just keeps getting better. Yes. Yeah. You know you deserve that? Yeah. But you know what? I had the winter from hell this year. I went through anxiety, overwhelm and insomnia. Wow. So... I'm saying that it's great now, but it's okay when it's not okay. And I had three months of just, I don't know what my, my body just wanted to 
break down, I think, because when you're running your own business, I said this to you before, it's like I've become a bit of a workaholic and I love what I do. So you could just feel like you could go and go and go. But your body needs to stop sometimes. And, yeah. and this past three months, which is winter here in Perth, I just, my body didn't want to sleep. I was anxiety. I had anxiety. I didn't even have anxiety before. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Overwhelmed, depression, like really wow. bad. And I've just literally feel like I've come out of it in the past month. But it's renewed me. It's like cleansed that that I needed to to get rid of to be able to come into this space that I'm in now. And that just gives you more tools and that mental health tool belt to resonate with the women that you're going to help. Exactly, because now I can relate to women who have anxiety and people who have insomnia and people who have all these issues that I was like, never even came into my, oh, I'm sure that anxiety doesn't exist. It exists. <laughs> <laughs> I literally didn't. Now I get it. It's like you've got to go. And this is, I'm my own guinea pig. I go through everything. Everything I teach, I've been through it. That's so it, it's just practice, right, to, to be helping more people, I think. What are you most grateful for right now? Mm, my partner. Yes. She was such a rock through my psychotic episode. Wow. Such a rock. Just was there with me the whole way. I will not leave you. And I think having someone who will be your rock when you hit your rock bottoms, and it might even be a subconscious way of you testing them. Are you going to leave me now? Are you going <laughs> to, yeah. when I go this crazy, are you going to leave me? She's just steadfast and I'm so grateful for her. That's amazing. Uh, last question. If you had the chance to put a message on a billboard somewhere where you know thousands of people would see it every day, what would that message be? First thing that came, came to me was like accept your body and then lots of different nude shapes and body sizes. Yes. Or accept your sexual, embrace your, accept your body and embrace your sexuality. Nice. Yeah. Fits you and everything that you are perfectly. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say? Is there anything coming up that you want to direct people to? If you're fascinated with my work, I have lots of resources on both of my websites, rosyreese.com and yonipleasurepalace.com. Follow my Instagrams. I'm very real, very raw. Yes. Very unfiltered. And... Yeah, I just think the more open-minded you are to this stuff and it might just be buying a yoni egg and then it might be a year later you might come to one of my workshops and then you might do my online course. I've got lots of different things that you can kind of test and taste and it's like just start with what you're ready at because I am a bit out there for a lot of people. Yeah. But just start with your comfortability and then gradually push yourself. But we need the people like you because otherwise we wouldn't evolve we wouldn't get better so true yeah thank you so much um, to wrap up and acknowledge you first of all for coming all the way down here making time for this but for knowing everything that you've been through turning that pain to purpose mm. doing what you're doing now um, fighting through all the stereotypes mm. through any negativity and uh, continuing to make the lives of women better mm. thank you so much for putting this out there I'm so grateful for this platform I need to make sure that I acknowledge our two sponsors. Number one, CrossFit Long Haul out there in Maddington. If you were in Perth and you were looking for a CrossFit gym that is all about good fun, 
good times and a holistic approach taking into consideration the physical, the mental, as well as the nutrition, then please do yourself a favor and go check out CrossFit Longhorn Maddington, owned by a very good friend of mine, a beautiful human and a beautiful soul in her own right. Now, sponsor number two is Leadership for Growth with Brendan Usher. It's specifically designed for middle managers and focuses on three key areas, those being people, vision, and self. Now, this is tailored to suit those middle managers to turn you from that manager into a leader to accelerate your career growth. Now, before I let you go, you beautiful, beautiful human, I just want to say I hope that you liked that episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please make sure that you share it with your friends, your family, anyone that you think or feel will benefit from listening to the story of vulnerability, the story of courage, the story of overcoming struggle. Now, if you haven't already, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're on Instagram, you already know that you sleep in my fridge, inside joke. And please, if you can, subscribe to us on YouTube or give us that five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever podcast, platform, or app that you use. It'll go a long, long way to helping us make mental health mainstream and getting these stories, these stories of courage, into the mainstream. Thank you all, guys. Ciao.